This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are. And uh, for some, it's a, it's a wet morning for sure. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but today, I, I have a couple of cool things. Um, we are talking about National Preparedness Month, and we have a really unique uh, experience that you can do if you live in the New York metropolitan area with uh, Tactivate and uh, Jesse Levin. Um, and Tactivate, well, we'll get into that in a second, but it's, it's a really cool program, and they have their... Uh, the readiness collective and a couple of things like that. And, and I think that's uh, uh, a really important, a lot of fun, especially during this time of disaster preparedness month, but let's get into this uh, disaster preparedness. Dan, where are you? I'm here. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Mr. Dan, president. Oh, thank you. Good morning. The president now the president of region nine, IAM region nine. Thank so you. Congratulations on that. I appreciate that. And everybody, thank you for who supported me um, through this election process. Um, I'm very humbled and honored uh, to have been chosen. And I really, truly am. I was talking to Dan about this yesterday, and it's really kind of uh, blows me away a little bit. But we're, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. You have a good day, too. Hey, um, what are you guys doing over the College for Disaster Preparedness Month? We're going to be pushing out just a weekly, a weekly post on uh, little items they can do. Uh, students can do around not only around home but being being prepared for if an incident takes place on campus uh, working with the communications director to push that information out on a weekly basis and then we're going to be doing a uh, push because of the second week of class next week on our um, uh, ens system and how to, how that works and and what, what to expect when that when that when those uh, messages get pushed out right awesome well that's good stuff right there and everybody should be having something to do for national preparedness month and hey I want to bring Jesse in now because his whole life right now is about disaster preparedness. Thank you, Todd. Hey, Jess, how's it going? Hey, congratulations. I had no idea about that. I, mean, I saw that like a couple days ago, but that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was it was great. And, and I think uh, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more work uh, here in the region. Uh, just picking up after what Yuri was doing and uh, just, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, pushing the profession across the, that, uh, the goal line for sure. Good deal. So, so National Preparedness Month. Just, I, I mean, I, I know I explained a little bit what you guys do beforehand, but uh, talk about your program, Tactivate, and then talk about um, you know that that van, that ambulance behind you. Sure. Um, so Tactivate is something we launched after after Haiti. So it was 2010. We came back to the states, um, and the macro kind of concept is we pair special operations veterans when they go on terminal leave and transition out uh, with entrepreneurs, and we launch startups as a way to teach um, the folks transitioning how the skills are relevant post-service and then any funding that we make uh, in any respective project we use to uh, conduct what we call expeditionary entrepreneurial operations where we send small very specialized teams on a voluntary basis into disaster zones to do you know all kinds of stuff from the traditional you know disaster response last mile logistics uh, local capacity building and economic stability efforts um, and all the private sector stuff we've done, climbing gyms, corking spaces, nightclubs, uh, and the current project, the Readiness Collective, and in all of them behind the scenes, what we've been trying to do for well over a decade is just to figure out, to crack the nut on how to socialize readiness. 
kind of kind of take it out of this weird prepper fringe. The world is ending zombie apocalypse. Let me go buy a bunch of MREs and assault rifles and hide in my basement perspective uh, and just say, hey, no, it's, it, you know, it's more of a discipline and a practice. It's a lifestyle. You know, it has far more implication than, you know, just an emergency. And, and you know, in fact, it, it positively impacts every facet of your life. And how can we kind of broaden the aperture and onboard more folks into this world? So we're sitting in, uh, in the current experimental project, which is we're calling the Readiness Collective a 6,000 square foot kind of emergency readiness training social club in, uh, in a mall of all places in Norwalk, Connecticut. And the truck behind me is uh, we partnered up with a local Land Rover, uh, Land Rover Fairfield. Uh, and it's a World War II ambulance truck fully restored. And it's our, uh, it's actually our podcast studio in the back there. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. You know, the, the idea of readiness, and I like the idea of the readiness collective because you're taking, you're right, you're taking it that like whole, the fear factor out of it. And you're taking the, um, uh, the stigma off of, of what preparedness is or what readiness is and, and kind of moving it to readiness the idea of readiness outside of preparedness and i always think about like my dad my dad was born in 1930 he grew up in the depression um end of world war ii that type of stuff and and he he always like around our house we've always had stuff right and you know it was just like a thing they not, not a hoarder in a way but like in a way of like having oh we might need to use this at some point and put it in a special place right um, but we've gotten away from that, right? Minimalism and things like this. And, you know, are we less prepared today than we were then? I, I would say yes. But how do we get back to that, like, idea of gardening, the idea of, of having things ready, not knowing that you can run down to the Home Depot down the street, uh, that type of stuff? Why do we change that mindset? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you know, our, our perspective, like, there's no truth of the capital T. There's no one way to do this, right? And like when we drop into disaster zone, you have to see the positive in every approach and what every institution or resource community brings to the table. But what we chose to kind of focus on is I think readiness has a really big branding problem, right? It's uh, every time someone walks by here, like, you know, we, we built this place look really weird because they kind of poke their head in and they say, what the heck are you guys doing in there? And the first inclination is, oh, is that like a zombie apocalypse prepper store? And uh you know, it's like, it's like when we use that to start the conversation, we're like, well, so what does readiness mean to you? You know, and, and the corollary that we always use is like, hey, look, what we're trying to accomplish is what CrossFit did for physicality and making it communal and tribal. Right. And there's incredible, amazing operators out there. I mean, everything from like the Tom Brown tracker schools of the world to the Wim Hofs to the Fieldcraft revivals. You know, we, we view readiness as this holistic practice, anything from awareness to breath work. But at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 community. It's who you know. Like you know, knowing your neighbor is like the most important thing. Absolutely. And what folks think is like, a okay, I need to go and I need to buy a bunch of junk, and, you know, stock up on X, Y, and Z. And certainly, like having key supplies and tools is, is important and part of the the you know the, the big picture. But it just really, as a society, we've gotten so far away from this idea of capability and capacity, right? And the way we define ready readiness is the capability capacity to be of service to self family and community in uncommon times and that's not just an emergency right these skills this mindset happens to be useful if the power goes out for six days but you know when you start to look into things like situational awareness you look at you know breath control how to keep calm under duress and you start acquiring these skills that make you just simply in the most literal sense of the term a more competent and capable human it changes the way you look at the world how you interact with people how you build your businesses how you conduct your relationships uh, and we're just trying to expose folks, you know, kind of like as a gateway drug. Like come in here, take a really, you know, cool, lightweight medical course. And all of a sudden, like these opportunities avail themselves where you get to actually help someone. And then right. once that happens, it becomes a super addictive. I want to get better. I want to become more capable. 
right? It's it's uh, it's like the marijuana of readiness, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where we're after anyway. I mean, being, in, being in a mall is like a challenge in of itself, but uh, we bit off a lot on this one, launching like the middle of a global pandemic in a retail shop in a mall. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, people, why not start trying to get people to stock up on their edibles? Uh, yeah, exactly. What happens, you know? That's our true like community service like, ammo, you know. So, happy. <laughs> Well, with your with what the work that you're doing, do you see? I mean, this is and this is a more of a personal question on how you view what you're doing. Do you see a difference between preparedness and readiness? Great question. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know, prepare, let's call preparedness like a, a specialized, like in the context that it's typically viewed in, right? Prepare, you're prepared for X, Y, and Z event, like natural disaster or something more sinister, what have you. Readiness. You know, we, we view, again, like diet and exercise. It's something that needs to be cultivated and certainly leads into preparedness. But it's much more, you know, the stuff we have going on in here is anything from like seed saving and pickling to, you know, how to understand, you know, misinformation, disinformation, how it affects the psyche to, you know, medical, teaching kids to, you know, change tires. I mean, it's just this like broad swath. And, you know, what we're attempting to do is to make, you know, people desire to be ready to be capable and to be competent. And uh, I think that's a little bit different than preparedness, uh, although it's kind of leads into preparedness. So that makes sense. Right. You know, I, I teach cert and I see Stacy's on here, uh, battalion chief now from uh, LA uh, city police fire department. And uh, you know, I taught cert with her as well. So teaching cert was like, Hey, getting people prepared for disasters and volunteerism and stuff like that's associated with it. What I think is funny is we go through these, these programs like that, and then at times, government, you know, we we you know, we make fun of not make fun of, but we go, hey, uh, don't be a prepper, right? You know, because that seems to be a bad thing. Um, you know, how how do we that skirt that line of being prepared but not being paranoid? I suppose that's the, how do we skirt that line? Again, like you know, I you know, we're we've been trying to explore that forever, right? And what we do that we've opened, we had a bar in Miami, right? And we was, there was a bunch of firefighters and veterans working at the bar and we didn't, you know, we called it ourselves a survival training bar, but for the folks in Miami, it was just a bar with good music and, and, and whatnot. And they showed up because they understand what a bar is, right? And they want to have fun, but before they could buy a drink, you know, they, we say, Hey, you know how to tie a bowling? Hey, you know what a tourniquet is? And we'd kind of challenge them to, on these skills, right? And like sort of inception them, like seep these things into these, these, these folks lives in a totally innocuous, Way that just caught them totally off by surprise so you know I, I think that it needs to be presented and repackaged and we need to make the notion of of being capable of service i want every high school to become an emt right like i think you know once the idea of joining your local volunteer fire department becomes like the coolest sexiest thing you can do we will have solved that problem uh, until then you know people view preparedness as like the old ham radio guys or you know the crazy folks that are missing a couple of teeth or the you know <laughs> case of Coors Light sitting in their bunker. And, you know, I think it's starting to change. And, you know, all these recent occurrences, like I think the pendulum is swinging. People are now more receptive to the idea of readiness. But I think there's still a massive opportunity to just reposition the whole shebang, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and it starts great, you know, but again, it's, it's, it's a very specific way of, you know, targeting what has turned out to be a very specific subset of the community. Um, so you know, how, do we, how do we broaden that, amplify that, support that, and, and go beyond? 
Right. So what is your what is your target audience? Because <clears throat> you know, like we we we've kind of touched on it, pre, you know, previous in a few of the comments that we've made, and, and you see preparedness. It's a it's a it's one of those things that you have to target a specific audience in a specific way. We mentioned the zombies, right? There is a, a zombie emergency response tra training team, or you know, that Zert is what they call yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. how they get their people in the door for preparing and 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 do being ready and being tactical tactically ready as well it's more of a tactical response type training but there's preparedness aspects of it and then you have like the 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 different things that the pg and e is doing like right child preparedness and there's a there's a there's i mean you can't package it in one way it has to be packaged right. in all these different ways do you have a specific niche specific target that you're going after um sorry my dog just came in um, <laughs> um you know, we're, so we're using this space, this first space is a lab, right? This is the first kind of dedicated training club we've ever opened. So there's no other, there's no like climbing gym facet, there's no bar facet, it is a readiness training club. And what we are, you know, trying to do is, is figure that out, you know, quite frankly, and you know, how, you know, I know a lot of people, and I've never met like Mike Glover, for example, uh, Fieldcraft Survival, but I know as part of his origin story, he had this like really cool, deep philosophy behind what he was doing with Fieldcraft Survival, but couldn't really get people to come because everybody wanted to do shooting, right? right. Like the first, I want to shoot, I want to be a shooter. So okay. You know, I can run shooting classes, right? I, I've got that experience. So that's what he used as his gateway, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for him. I, I might, might have misunderstood there, but I, I track, you know, what those guys do a good bit. And so you have to meet the community where, where they're at. And for us, that's a challenge because we're trying to combat so many of the stigmas and so much of like, you know, we've got this philosophy, you know, you, you have to earn, you, you know, learn to earn your right to purchase. So before you can really buy anything that requires skills, we want to teach you and almost certify oh, you yes. on it. Yeah before you can actually purchase anything. So people come in here, they want, I want to buy a gold bag. I want to buy, hey, can you teach me how to shoot? And we try to walk them back and say, hey, well, there's a lot more that goes into this than just, you know, you know, having your concealed carry, you know, blah, 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 and buying, you know, a, a bunch of stuff you're gonna throw in your basement and forget about not how to use anyway. Um, I can't say, you know, we're constantly changing what we do in here programmatically. We're about to shift and like, do a lot of stuff with kids and kind of turn it into an escape room uh, environment to see, you know, how that goes, but, you know, We've had like the you know younger dads, you know, like twenty dads in here training and drinking beers, and their kids training up front. And uh, we've had you know local SRT teams in here training with North American Rescue. We've we've really kind of nailed a super broad swath. Right. Um, our emphasis is less on tactical. You know, we bring in the law enforcement veteran kind of military side as the instructor, but our our goal is to really figure out how we can reach the folks who would never either otherwise know this world exists. Um, you know people, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple more disadvantaged towns around here that, you know, couldn't afford to really, you know, make ready. We're trying to figure out how to attack, you know, attract those folks. Um, and then like the yoga mom, you know, the, the hedge fund guy, the, you know, the, the dog walker. I mean, just, right. we, we want to make this, you know, just commonplace. Like it's, it's, it's just a part of everyone's everyday routine. And we're going to take a break here in a couple of seconds, but I, I want to address a couple of the comments. And, and one is the preparedness guy says, be prepared, but not quote too prepared, kind of kind of making fun. But I, I think the question is, is, you know, you, can we be not too prepared, right? That's probably not the right word to use, but, you know, be prepared, but not paranoid, I, I think would be the, the way to really to say that. And then um, Elaine, Elaine says, um, I suggest that many high schools and colleges students take ICS course package uh, to pad the resume at no cost. You know, uh, won't get the job and emergency advantage, but yet it shows potential employer initiative to learn the terms that you're hearing on TV and uh, more continuity recovery and response. And that's definitely people want to get into the profession. And, and not only that, I mean, people in general should understand the nomenclature of what we're saying. So uh, that that's a, a good statement. And then, uh, of course, uh, Stacy says um, right now with COVID, people need to understand 
now more than ever that you need to be prepared and, and be able to shelter and it might not be a good message this time um the the what if game you know the, that we play we know without covid our people are we know that people without COVID are dying because they're afraid to go to the hospital, and that's that's a that's a bad statement right there. But yeah, I think I think this shows that we do have to be prepared. And you know, as as I say, the toilet paper shortage that we had back at the beginning of COVID kind of shows that people uh, will start buying anything during panic. So um, there's that. Hey guys, let's take a quick break, and we come back. I want to talk about what's going on right now in the world with the floods and the hurricanes and tornadoes and whatnots. Hey all, how you guys doing? Hey, if you're headed over to the National Homeland Security Conference in Las Vegas from August 30th to September 2nd, I want you to stop by and see my friend Sean Griffin and his team at Disaster Tech. They are the leading decision science platform for risk and resilience. See, and be sure to stop by booth 205 and learn how Disaster Tech's DICE solution can help your team plan and exercise across government and industry, leverage data and risk intelligence, and accelerate evidence-based decision-making and ultimately save lives, money, and time. And hey, also follow them on Twitter at DisasterTechINC for more updates. That's DisasterTechINC. See you there. Yeah, so today's the last day of that uh, of the conference. I'm talking to some people that were over there and they said I was having a good time and learned a lot of good information. I know a few of the speakers on, on that as, as, as well. Uh, so good times. All right, well, let's come back in. Let's talk about the hurricane and then I guess what the whip around that happened in New York. I was looking at some video this morning on the subways of what well, looks like a waterfall coming into the subways in, uh, in New York City. Um, what is what's going on over there? And, and uh, you know, it seems like this was sort of out of the blue, like you're saying earlier this morning. Was it something that people are tracking? Uh, I mean, we're, you know, so we're, we're about an hour north. Um, up, up in Connecticut and, you know, we've been so focused on Afghanistan. Like I, I haven't really been tracking it super closely, but I, you know, it really kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we were, we were far more prepared for what was last one, Henry, you know, we we're all yeah. just kind of camped out of the firehouse and it like, they went like, it didn't even rain, you know I mean? Like it was supposed to be this whole big deal. And this one, you know, we, we you know, got you know, all available responders, you know, went in last night and, it, you know, I think we got, I think you got 3.8 inches of water, like in an hour or something like yeah. that, and, you know, insane. And up here we got, you know, we got spanked. There's power lines down everywhere, pole fires everywhere, um, significant flooding. Um, and, you know, it, it just goes to show you, you know, and I'm not a statistician. I'm not a big data guy. Um, but these things are just happening a lot more frequently. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they're getting worse, too. I mean, they're affecting this. Well, <clears throat> they're, they're, there's the, that's the argument, right? Are they getting worse or are more people in, in the way of them? Right. Because more people are moving into these areas that are affected by these things. So the argument there, the, the, it, it depends on the specifics of the jurisdiction, but it's, are they getting worse or just more people being affected by them? And, and uh, those people are not prepared to be able to respond to them and take care of themselves during these events. Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. Like, I don't know, you know, we've been doing this like almost full time in one way or another since like 2009 or eight. Right. And, there's been massive shifts in in the professional side of things, right? Switching from like you know, pu public-private partnerships to private-public, like the, the the vernacular has changed. The focus has really started to shift on proactive readiness versus reactionary response, and you know that's that's a sea change. That's going to take a long time. That's that's it's a systemic shift in perspective, resource allocation, you know, all all of these things, and it's going that way. But from the civilian side, you know, I, we like to say that you know, if you're complacent at this point, you're complicit. I think a lot of this just comes down to, and we can talk about Afghanistan. Like a lot of this just like 
we don't take personal responsibility for ourselves these days. Mm. And we put so much, uh, you know, not trust, that's the wrong word, but we count so much on government. And this is not to, this is not a slight of government. This is not to say that government resources are not entirely capable. But we've become so comfortable and so dependent that, you know, we no longer take respons the basic responsibility for ourselves, our families, our communities. You know, we, we have just passed the buck first responders, our doctors, our, you know, and at the end of the day, like anyone who really works in the arena, whether they're a local first responder or law enforcement or an emergency management, they realize they know viscerally how thin the system is, yeah. right? There's just not a lot of folks. There's not a lot of resources. And people don't understand that, especially these, a lot of these smaller towns where it's their volunteer departments. And it's not to say, hey, be scared. No one's coming. Like there's some really good people. Like they're, they're doing their best. But at the end of the day, like, we're gonna have a really increasingly like you know big problem in this country if people just don't take onus and you know taking self responsibility is not a thing it's not really part of our culture anymore <laughs> you know we're more of a blame pass the buck point the finger uh, and that's right. that's I think one of the greatest threats to society currently uh, sorry about a bit of a tangent there but I think that's no 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 it's it's accurate <clears throat> you know I, I mean I know I want to get into this too a little bit because you you were helping out with um, getting people out of out of Afghanistan. And I think that's one of the things that we have to think about as well, that we're no longer just in our own backyard, in our little cul-de-sac in, in, in the suburbs, right? We are now globally looking at things. We're linked globally. I have uh, some friends of mine um, that are up in Canada that I've worked with, and um, they're, 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 they're Afghan. Uh, his wife is Af from Afghanistan. Um, he And and they had to get family over there with the Canadian government. Talk a little bit about what you did uh, specifically to help get people out. So, yeah, I don't even remember how we got looped into this, but inevitably when something goes down, we're getting a call from someone. Um, you know, I'm not prior service. I've done a lot of work with the community. Um, we're very involved with the international you know, humanitarian response, you know, kind of arena and ecosystem. And we got pulled into the Slack channels and the signal channels, um, you know, and we're very involved with the veteran community. And again, I don't want to get into the political side of it, but, you know, when we say expeditionary entrepreneurship, I think, you know, people would be astounded by the impact that they can have as individuals, even without any kind of understanding or professional exposure to emergency management, disaster response, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is about who you know, right? And we have, we had, we have a massive issue in Afghanistan, right? And before you get into the politics and that, you know, the macros, the micros, and you know, what, what's going on at the end of the day, there's also an acute situation that needed to be addressed or that needs to be addressed and that is getting you know our our you know partner forces out our, our american citizens out and again not getting into like fake news or anything about the narrative but in every major disaster that we have been involved with or responded to the narrative that is portrayed publicly is is exceedingly different than the ground truth and the realities and i don't say that you know to cast aspersions or maliciously i think a lot of times it's very hard to get at the root of issues it's very hard to get the accurate numbers uh, especially something as as you know dire and as you know tumultuous as what's going on in afghanistan that said a lot of incredibly you know groups stood up predominantly you know veteran centric you know folks who have been over there and this you know there's there's just like this baseline integrity right like as a you know that's core to being an american right and we gave our word we were involved with the conflict this has nothing to do with whether we were we should have been there or whether we needed to exit you know i, I think a lot right. of folks actually involved would agree that maybe we shouldn't have even been there and we should definitely get out but and in this vacuum you know 
there's a lot of awful things happening and a lot of very, you know, American citizens not getting out, not being contacted by government at all. Um, still, you know, let's be very clear about that, like to this day. Um, and I don't, again, I don't want to cast aspersions. It's a hard thing to do. And I'm not right. blaming anyone, but you know, it was incredible as always to be a part of this kind of informal ad hoc rescue efforts, right? And there's folks that are incredibly well-funded who represent, and I'm not gonna mention any names, but, you know, large foundations. There's folks who've operationalized and like, you know, that are far more public, like, uh, you know, operational uh, Pineapple Express, like That's a lot right. of, you know, veterans. And, and it's incredible. And like, you know, this is, you know, there's nothing wrong with civilians, prior service, anyone taking proactive action to get things done. Now, you, you have to look at things like there's huge security risks, you know, there's uh, operational security risks, there's identity, there's, you know, not having a clear understanding of what's going on on the ground, especially with something like dealing with the Afghan issue. Right. Uh, but what I will say is I think in times when there's resource vacuums, it is very important that individuals know that they can step up and have massive impact, whether they know funding, you know, they have funding relationships, whether they know logistics people, whether they have airline connections. And what came together was astounding, you know, to watch, humbling to be a part of, and in a small way, you know, we, we were, we were, you know, lucky, not lucky is the wrong word, but we were able to contribute and help in a small part and get, you know, confirmed 22, uh, you know, families out. Uh, but we were just a small cog, you know, in that, you know, incredibly large informal, uh, machine, which was, which is just awesome. Right. Well, Jesse, thank you for that, uh, for, for doing that, because I think that's important, uh, for the people that were over in Afghanistan to get them out that needed to come out. Um, and it's just, it is a, it is a dynamic situation, and um, yeah, and, and again, staying out of the politics on things, it's just helping people that are in need at the end of the day. And that's what this is all about, not about uh, about who voted for who and what politics are going on. So I think that's that's really important. Oh, man. So, hey, real quick, I just saw Katie just uh, uh, popped on uh, a comment saying, yes, uh, preach, Jesse. Yeah, and she's actually going to be our, our guest here uh, talking about uh, preparedness and what she's doing. And, and she has a great blog, by the way, um, and we'll, we'll post that next week. But um, I just wanted to say hi really quick to her. And and so how, how can people learn more about what you guys are doing over at Activate and what you guys are doing with the Readiness Collective? I think people just have a willingness like to have more of an open mind. Like I love what Katie's doing, right? Like she's completely, she's like also completely repositioning readiness and making it more of a, of a practice, right? She's kind of incorporating yoga and yeah. just phrasing it differently and programming it differently and making it just so accessible and, and, and like non-fear-based, right? And, and, and taking it out of the hardcore EM and not that there's anything wrong with that, but just again, broadening the aperture. And I think folks just need to really aggressively, you know, just like, People are into the, you know, this whole entrepreneurial efficiency, life hacking, Tim Ferriss, you know, stuff. You know, right. they need to start looking at readiness uh, in the same light. You know, it, it is, you know, in our opinion, everyone's responsibility to be, you know, capable of service. Uh, and that's not like a millennial snowflake unicorn comment like, oh, we all have to be do-gooders. It's like, <laughs> no, you know, we have an obligation to take care of ourselves and our families and our communities. And if we really truly value our frontline workers and our doctors, you know, as we all put out there in virtue signal, you know, we need to reduce the burden on them. And we do that by becoming more capable ourselves. Right. Um, so I just I think people need to start Googling or getting involved or just saying, hey, I might not know the first dang thing about any of this stuff. But, you know, sure, join CERT, get your CPR, take a stop the bleed class, like just start somewhere. Uh, and very quickly, I think people understand like the gift and the, the inspiration that it is to like have the capacity and mindset to help other people in time of need. 
Absolutely. You know what? I'm going to go on the opposite side of that. I don't think that's a, a unicorn, uh, 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 millennial uh, or Gen Z, you know, snowflake thing. Because if you like, going going back to my dad's generation or even before, right? I mean, that's what community really was, right? Back in the in 1930s, 1940s. I mean, the community came together. If you remember, or I have no, none of us here in this room remember. But if you guys like ever watched any like the the Little Rascal TV movies that were on when we were kids, that were the replays. You know, these kids are going around collecting bottles and glass and, and glass and 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 things like this for the war effort right so things like that or, or or for their community so i mean you know we we this is where we used to be uh, as a nation i think we can get back there again you know, taking care of our neighbors and being good to each other i think that's i think if we could do that at the end of the day i think we're all going to be better for it um absolutely um Eileen talked to the pillowcase program and Red Cross teaches kids about preparedness and gives tools uh, to bring home to their parents. I think that that's a really cool um, uh, program as, as well. I think stuff that Jesse, that you, what you're doing um, in the mall, I think is, is outstanding. Um, and, you know, I know not everybody's in the Connecticut and I know not everybody's in the New York metropolitan area as, as well. But, I mean, what do you think the people that are, say, I don't know, in the middle of Oklahoma or whatever, where can they, what could they do to maybe to, to learn more about preparedness? You know, e email me, email Katie. I mean, we're all like, you know, I think anyone who's really vested in, or you, you know, Todd, all you guys who are, who are vested in like actually building true community capacity, there isn't any competition, right? There's such a massive need, whether you're not for profit or for profit, it doesn't matter. Like you can't, the, 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 there is so much to do. And there's amazing people all over the place doing incredible work, right? And there's, there's, there's just awesome training facilities, clubs, um, you know, happy to get folks tied in or, or find the best resources that we've potentially worked with in the past and just at the end of the day, again, it's network. It's, it's who you know, uh, and it's just taking that effort to kind of reach out and show that interest. And then I think you can very quickly get involved. Yeah, and we got the preparedness guy in here too. You can reach out to. I bet you can find him, and he'd be happy to talk to you, to you as well. So, Dan, you got anything else at the end of here? Uh, just that you know, and I, you've heard me say this before, um, and I've been studying it pretty heavily over the last year. Marketing. I feel every emergency manager needs to know how to market what they do and they need to know how to market it to the people that they serve and beyond to their communities and, and, and what it is that we do, how the people can get involved, how they can get trained, why it's important. We need to be marketers. And I've been studying that for pretty heavily over the last six months. But over the last year, I got involved in, in, in more learning how to market what it is that we do, how we do it and why it's important. And so for all those that are listening, for all those that are watching right now, learn, do some research on marketing, learn how to market what we do and why it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, you're hired. You come help us. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as Brian says, hey, hey Brian, I, I don't know if you're near the computer or not, but I want you to pop in a second if you can. But uh, there he is. Brian, you always talk about the idea of selling yourself. What do you mean by that? You know, having interacted with you as much as I have over the last flipping 20 long years, um, a lot of complaints come back and learning to sell yourself and sell the value in the programs you're putting together is key. And it goes hand in hand with the marketing, you know, more traditional marketing is finding a new audience. However, selling what you're doing up and down that chain of command, I think is what lacks. I mean, take COVID for example, has anybody seen a single emergency manager online or on TV? talking about what they're doing for their community. I, I personally haven't, you know, and if a, a lot of the complaints with the emergency managers are no one listens, I can't get the funding, but learn to get out there and sell yourself 
and, and prove your value. Just like a salesman proves the value of that vacuum they're trying to sell you at the doorstep, you've got to learn to sell the value in, in what you put your career into. And that's what I mean by selling. Right. And, and we all sell. People don't know to sales, but you've been selling your entire life. Mom, I want another cookie. Teacher, I really deserved an A. Dad, I really don't want to go to practice. You've been selling your entire life. Suck it up, embrace it, and learn to sell. That's all I got. Awesome, Brian. <laughs> solid, solid nugget right there. <laughs> Duly noted, sir. I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> so we so we come in here talking about disaster preparedness. We walk away with a uh, philosophical idea of, of selling emergency management to the public, which I think is important as, as well. But Jesse, thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you for everything that you, that you, that you do. We're coming here close uh, to the end here. Um, and again, reach out to him, find Tactivate. We're going to put his information. It is in the show notes. If you're driving down the road, your pencil's not sharp, that's okay. Just uh, click on the uh, on the show notes and you will uh, be able to get to him. And there's the information right there. It's the readinesscollective.com. Uh, great place. The videos that they they produce are freaking top notch. Uh, I just like watch them. I watch them all over again. And they also have, oh, real quick, I want you to pitch your, uh, your documentary, the SOAP. Oh, that was something a good buddy of ours, uh, Mike, did. Um, he's an, you know he was actually running video for the UN recently, um, but we were involved with Puerto Rico uh, for for an extended period of time and did an economic stability project there and, and kind of reconnecting uh, remote point of sale systems to get the EBT cards going to kind of generate you know last mile economic stimulus even during the acute response phase. And it, the documentary so uh, won a bunch of awards. Uh, Mikey and the team did a great job, and we were fortunate enough to be featured uh, as one of the kind of you know efforts that took place during uh maria absolutely all right guys hey thank you everybody for uh for being here today and uh hey look at hey listen follow us on 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 youtube uh you know follow us on linkedin follow us on on twitter wherever you get your your uh, podcast please give us a rating of of uh of five stars if you can because uh, that really helps us out also share this information with your colleagues and your friends and family I suppose your family might not care, but I think they would, especially this particular one uh, with, with Jesse and the, and the Readiness Collective, because uh, without them and without you guys, we couldn't do what we're doing. And also reach out to our our, uh, uh, our our sponsors as well, because without them, we couldn't bring you the quality program that we are bringing you. So, Brian, see you guys next week. Thanks for having us, guys.